This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast where we bring you an in-depth conversation. And man, this was a great one. We were in Los Angeles at the Milken Institute Global Conference. You never know who you're going to run into there. And we got a chance to sit down with none other than Laura Dern. Actress, activist. She participated in a panel at Milken, and it was all about mindfulness. But she got into, whether it's meditation or mindfulness, kind of stopping in the moment, the impact it can have on your health. And it wasn't just kind of a soft, feely kind of panel. It was medical experts and looking into the science of this and the impact it can have on your health. So we got into that. And we got into so much more, I have to say. And thankfully, we got into a little bit of Big Little Lies. That's coming up season two. And it's not just about the show. It's about what the show represents at a really critical time in Hollywood. Here's Laura. First of all, thank you for being with us. We really thank you are looking for having forward me. to this. Awesome. You were participating in a panel. It was called Stand in Your Power, The Mindful Way. Tell me a little bit of that. I do a lot of yoga, and I understand the importance of kind of taking a moment and being in the moment. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's interesting. You know, as an actor, I think... Uh, There was a bit of labeling for a long time if an actress was talking about mindfulness or meditation in any way. Um, It was sort of this, I don't know, alternative conversation. But this panel was based on neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And so to be part of a panel with neuroscientists and psychiatrists looking at the study of mind training for mental and physical health. Um, anti-aging, for inflammation in the body, Mm -hmm. for cardiovascular health, that the studies are showing that to have a practice, uh, some form of mind awareness practice, whether in my case it's transcendental meditation, for others mindfulness training, um, that we do each day, that the numbers are showing that nothing can impact our health in the same way. Well, what impact have you felt it? on your health when I am as uh, regular as I like to be Mm -hmm. and really doing it as a daily practice it's phenomenal I mean I've watched my stress level change dramatically and therefore everything as seemingly subtle as allergies Mm -hmm. to everything as dramatic as blood pressure um, shifts in the body and um, you know we forget and I think more and more the medical profession is showing us how stress anxiety depression are impacting people and as much as you know, the pharmaceutical industry would love to say, well, here's the pill that can right. change all that. Right. Nothing is changing it like this kind of awareness training. And why do you think it's happening now, Laura? I mean, I think it's fair to say we live in a bit of an age of anxiety. That yeah. is empirically true. Absolutely. Uh, but what has provoked this very meaningful response, it feels like, from the world of science to really study this and put some numbers and some data around it? I think looking at pandemic, you know, I mean, I think that we are in a, a crisis that we've never seen before if we just look at the youth. I mm-hmm. mean, we are in America, as I'm raising two teenagers, dealing with kids where the number, the suicide rate is astronomical. Um, cases of clinical depression is like nothing we've ever seen. And I was talking to my daughter, who's 14, about it the other day and asked her, as I was trying to seemingly understand it, she said, Mom, 
we're afraid to go to school because we might get shot. What do you mean people don't understand why we're scared, depressed, and anxious? And, and they see the news in real time before they have a parent or a teacher advising them on how to consider the news story. It's on their phone in front of them, yeah. and they're 11. Right. And they're seeing footage um, that is unbearable footage. So, you know, I think that it is from that place that we're all trying deeply to understand what to do Mm -hmm. for our youth, but also, therefore, for ourselves. How do we deal with this level of stress? And that's not just stress in the workplace. It's not just within our own homes. It's the way the world is currently. I got to ask you, you know, I feel like social media to some extent, 24-7 news cycles to some extent have really exacerbated the situation that, you know, something happens and it's nonstop in front of us. Is that part of the problem? I think it is. And I, and I really do think in terms of the panel, why talking about the practice of, you know, really bringing your attention back to the moment, to be in the moment is so essential for all of us to learn that practice, to develop that muscle Mm. that we, it's in our psyche all day long, every day, whether it's literally the news cycle or our own thinking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to be able to not try to escape from it or pretend it doesn't exist, but to actually allow all the thoughts and also know how to bring your attention back to this moment. How do we make something though, like meditation or yoga? I've been doing yoga for 20 years and have developed this as part of my practice, but how do you get kind of your traditional, you know, caring systems and infrastructure, the healthcare system that doesn't always embrace whether it's acupuncture or alternative modes that can really have a huge impact on your health. How do we get that to be much more mainstream and affordable mainstream? It's easy right. for all of us to accessibility go and take feels these like classes. one of the big questions. Yeah. Here. Well I mean accessibility if if you know if people want if executives and ceos want their corporation to work at the highest level let's just talk about money yeah they should be investing in these practices for their staff mm-hmm. and you know we've seen numbers of success and we've seen you know phil jackson will tell you all about it right. he believes it brought mm-hmm. the lakers to success and many companies will talk about this success which is you know that's where it starts and in terms of the medical profession UCLA is such a beacon for me recently uh, you know watching how with family members they're interested in building a team and mindfulness and yoga acupuncture alternative modalities are part of the process of a healthcare system in their mind and that's that's where leadership is well that's and it point. also feels like we're at a moment and you've alluded to this where we're asking big questions about the role of technology, the role of social media, and all of those things. You mentioned you're a parent of teenagers. The three of us are parents of teenagers. We deal <laughs> and with we're this. Surviving. And we're surviving. And we do this uh, all the time. And, and I think we both, Carol and I both, have very similar conversations to the one you described with your 14-year-old. And I do wonder, are we doing enough as a society in terms of calling the companies to account, calling the government to account, to regulate or think differently about media and technology and social media specifically? Of course not. 13 to 17 year olds were on Tinder uh, until people who wanted to affect change 
demanded yeah. uh, that we look at that. So we're we're really seeing how it's the Wild West, mm -hmm. and we know the benefits and the incredible advancements because of technology, and and we're all addicts, um, yeah. and the apps are built in in a way with algorithms in order to addict us. So like, let's call it what it is. Yeah. And so we systematically, I mean, we have to find our our own training for ourselves and for our children on, you know, the consideration of screen time, the consideration of what we want to take in, um, how to be uh, considerate consumers in the information we take in and that our kids have access to. And it's, you know, as a parent, you know you're failing because right. it's coming too fast. Right. Um, and so now that it's here, the hope is, uh, because the, the panel, to digress back to it, wasn't just about mindfulness per se, but also about empathy, right? right? Is how to look at, as we grow businesses, as we raise children, how to be aware with empathy how we want to sell our product, how we want to raise our children, how we want to impact the world. And if we want to do it with understanding, even selfishly, if we want to do it to get the consumer to buy more, the consumer wants to feel seen mm -hmm. and be heard. Mm -hmm. Our children want the same. We want the same. So I keep saying, I mean, here meeting businessmen who are like, oh, I hear you, uh, a gentleman came up to me and doing work to promote more women and like diversity in business. And I said, yeah, you like making money, right? Yeah. So your consumer wants to be seen and heard. You better have your boardroom be a diverse boardroom because right. you need the voices for representation so you sell more. So <laughs> let's talk about what? that because yeah. that, that leads to something else we definitely wanted to get into, which is um, this this codathon, you're working with Booking Holdings, a company uh, we know well on that. Tell us what inspired you to take that specific path, because obviously, as Carol said in the introduction, you're an activist. This is broadly a very important issue to you. Why this? Well, I was very excited as we're all looking for people in leadership positions to inspire us and pave the way. I was super excited to learn about Gillian Tans, the CEO of Booking.com, right. because I loved when I looked at the numbers, because now I'm an actor in the film and television industry and a producer, and and I'm looking to other industries to teach how we're going to find both gender and diversity parity in businesses. And I learned that she, yes, they proudly announced they've reached over 50% gender parity mm. at booking.com in terms of their workforce. But she also chose to announce, and we're only at 20% in tech of women. Right. Why are these numbers what they are? We want to grow those numbers. Not only are we going to do that, we're going to create this codathon preceding college to take teens, STEM-focused teens predominantly, and, and, and within that group of girls that I met in the last few days, they also are artists and designers and entrepreneurs and, and activists. And really invest them in their experience of coding and what coding can offer. And they're so lit up and they're so excited. And then from that place, also Booking.com announced this beautiful grant and scholarship, right, scholarship. for right. universities yeah. for young women in coding. And 
I was just so excited that somebody stood up and said, mm, this number may look great, but you know what? There's a lot of work to do in these other areas. Right. So let's also invest in it. And, and I'm seeing this as a board member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. We can say we need the numbers to change, but where's the investment in right. finding young women who want to be cinematographers and camera loaders, not just going, well, we'd love to hire more women, but they don't have the skill set. There aren't enough numbers of people. Well, go teach those people right, so right. the numbers change. Yeah, like, it create feels the pipeline. Like create it feels, the pipeline. Right. Create well, the pipeline. Except that I think people are tired of hearing there is no pipeline and, eggs, and looking wow. for people to go actually create it, right, as you're saying. Right, right. And that feels like... We are at a, a, a slightly different moment in that regard. Well, in terms of the, mo the motion picture industry, do you feel like there have been significant changes since Me Too? And is there a heightened awareness? Are things really changing? I think it's fair to say, and I hope you guys will agree too, that in all our industries, there has been a shift mm -hmm. in awareness cultural awareness in our industries uh, about harassment in the workplace and the abuse of power affecting women and men mm -hmm. throughout all industries. So now using voice um, is not the go-to that a predator would focus on, right? Because we've seen the effects of not just one voice, but if you're one voice, how many others will stand with you to try to make a difference? So that we've definitely seen in terms of the Me Too mo movement. In terms of gender parity, numbers are shifting. And in the words of my daughter, 14 year old, <laughs> she was like, mom, I have no problem if shame is the way I get in the room. <laughs> She's like, you know, yeah. if it's about somebody saying, oh God, we've got to get these numbers to look better in the areas of gender parity and diversity parity, that's how it's going to change. Because then it's you get into the school, room and you kick ass, right? right? Exactly. Right. Uh, and work your way up, be part of that pipeline. Yes. And bring others along. And so representation is shifting, is yeah. their equality and pay parity. I think we have a long way to go. It's like, girl, I got you in the room. I'm not saying I'm going right. to pay you the same. Right. You know, there's, so there's it's amazing, right? It's it still amazing. Goes on. And, and can we talk about that for a second? Because I think for people who, you know, traffic in business and economics every day, that feels like more than the pipeline. That's a solvable problem in the sense of, Pay the money. Sales, like, just pay the Salesforce money. Salesforce did it, right? They looked at the numbers and like, they looked why at people is this so hard? and I just know. said, make it equal. I know. I it's mean, it's, a, it's been interesting as I've been learning more in the world of teaching and professors and tenure. And I, I mean, there's so much to do in so many industries, but yeah. you just cannot believe, well, cannot believe I'm saying this. You know, people are like, I've heard actresses at times got paid a half of what their leading man got paid. I was like, wait a minute. You mean... One one hundredth, yeah, right, right? As That's a lead right. in a film of what the actor is being paid for, many many years. And I was raised by actors, right. where I watched what my father's career was like at the same time as my mother. While they were both nominated for Oscars, had very yeah. similar paths as brilliant artists. It just, you know, and she was raising a kid and. You couldn't take a child on a movie at that time, just like women in the workforce and across all industries know it's very different now for us than it was for our mothers right. to but be But still hard for many. Oh, I mean, impossible. it's gotten better, but still but hard. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just, just barely. All right. So we, so got, we, we got to talk big little lies. Right, let's cannot, go. Let's second go. season coming so up. Speaking, and, speaking of well, I was going to say. And well, Silicon Valley. And women, but it's so great that this project, I have a 16-year-old daughter, and she loves that all the women involved in front of, behind the scenes. This has sent a really strong message. Well, that's and great to hear. And it's really strong hear. women on the screen. And, and you know, and, and with our partner being HBO, really working to make sure we were reaching parity behind the camera right. as well. That great. was really important to yeah. us. And, you know, first of all, for particularly myself, Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon, who all started acting when we were children, we never had another woman on the movie. Yeah. Maybe one female crew member. Hmm. When I started, my makeup and hair people were men. Every, every job was male and maybe there was one other actress playing uh, another small role in the film yeah. or something. So just have other women to talk to is quite nice. And so what and I love men. I like talking to so them what's too. What's it like on the set with all of you? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's just an extraordinary support system, uh, reinvention of a workplace environment for us as actors, uh, including our bosses, our, at times, our fellow actors. Right. Um, and it's really a community of collaborators looking out for each other far beyond just on set. And we That's care great. deeply about the stories we tell. We want many aspects of a woman's emotional life represented and the challenges that women walk through. Um, and I, I did love after the first episode of the first season came out, there were a couple of reviews that were kind of what you dream of because it was, uh Oh, a bunch of privileged women uh -oh, are going through hard things. Who mm -hmm. cares? And to see the stigma of a lack of empathy because they can't understand how hard it is. Absolutely. And then when we go deeper, yeah. we're confronted with the fact that we are all universally going through so many similar traumas, dynamics, and challenges um, in our personal lives, in the workplace environment, whatever it is. And it was interesting for me playing Renata Klein because She's the person they all hated yeah. because she's the boss, she's the CEO, yeah. she's got all the money, so why should you complain about her life? But also, she doesn't have a sisterhood, partially because she was the one female in a boardroom of 12 or 13 that got to be in that room and had to act within that world as one of the boys. Right. right. And it's, it, it, I learned so much about finance and the world of tech through playing this part, just talking to other women CEOs, which was fantastic. And so what did you all take from that first season? Because the first season, you never know how it's going to go. As you say, you never know how it's going to be received. Then it's this runaway hit for women and men. You know, everybody's just glued to this. So what do you take from the first season when it is this runaway hit that you apply to the second season? Because it's no longer like, oh, we'll see how this goes. Now, everybody, it's, it's the sophomore effort. So people are tuning in even more closely. Well, a few things. One, with success, you look around and realize it's the zeitgeist. So let's use this yeah. on a larger scale, on a social justice level. Women want to see each other, want to find that bond, want to have these conversations. So we started all growing opportunity, certainly within storytelling, mm -hmm. as producers started, all of us, every single actor on it is now 
producing content right. uh, that, al- that allows... And is that because like you sort of saw that it was more possible? I mean, yes. it, it, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it opened the doors and yeah. was successful. And so that says to the buyer, this is great news. And then in addition, we got smart enough as a group to go, hmm, when you're really lucky to be in this place and you get to do it again... You should ask Meryl Streep right. to join you. <laughs> it's so yeah. great. If you could ask for the moon, ask yeah. for Meryl Streep, and right. then she'd say yes. It's yeah. the greatest well, gift in the world. We are looking forward to the second season. And thank you so much for dropping by and thank spending time you. with us. Yeah, thank you great. for asking Good these questions. And in the world of business and finance, it's helping everyone. So I'm very excited to have these conversations Well, we hope you. you'll come back and uh, visit us as you continue on in all these yeah. efforts. And I know we'll be tuning in to Big Little Lies for awesome. sure, season two. Great. Thank you. Thank you both. Laura, thank you. Laura Dirt. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune into Bloomberg Business Week Radio Live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg.